0: here i'm going to be in chapter uh luke chapter 12 today at the end of it and uh revelation 13 pretty much for the bulk of this message and before i preach this message i just want to make it clear to everybody why i preach this message why i preach every message and um i like to preach the bible exegetically because it forces me to preach through (laughs) passages of scripture that are difficult to communicate, and even more difficult to be well-received. And this is one of those passages. I'm preaching today on a passage in my Bible that's subtitled, Jesus Divides People. So that's kind of a tough passage, right, to preach on. But I also uh, want people to understand that I'm not the only one doing this, that, that many churches um, throughout the world are preaching hard truths much harder than are preached in other churches much harder than I choose to preach them here um, so issues like today, which will be kind of in your face a little bit maybe are um, You know being preached everywhere. It's not just uh, one church doing this Also the things that I'll preach on today are directly out of the Bible with little to no interpretation And so really um, When you start to feel if you do any angst or anything from today's message Understand that that's a conviction maybe that God has for you not my words But the words that you're reading out of the Bible because these are God's words It doesn't matter what I think about these words. These are God's words and so I'm gonna be there I just Uh, I hope I haven't made you too like, oh boy, um, at the beginning of this message. But I do, um, I did agonize over this particular message probably more than any message I've ever delivered in my 17 years of preaching, 16 years, somewhere in there. And, um, And I did it because I know this is a passage that can divide people, and I don't want that. I want a spirit of unity. But I'm also called to accountability because if I don't... Um, illuminate God's word for you, and you miss signs because I have not been willing to point them out to you, even to my own discomfort, I'm responsible for you before God. I'll be judged at a much different level than you will when I appear before God at the judgment, and so if you fall into error um, with scripture, uh, in many ways, your blood will be accounted to me, and I'm responsible for that. It's a huge burden, and I don't take it lightly, Um, and so all of that is to say, I hope you're going to get something out of today's message. It's good. I believe it's what God wanted us to communicate, uh, wanted me to communicate, sorry, and I believe it's something we all need to hear in this time that we find ourselves the other thing that i want to point out this morning is that um, the chapter and verse marks in the modern bible so maybe some of you don't know that's a pretty modern um, addition to the bible they in about 1560 they created this bible called the geneva bible and the geneva bible one of its main goals was to put chapter to divide the bible into chapters and verses without changing any of the wording Um, So that scholars could more easily find a specific passage they're looking for or reference it and you wouldn't have to go It's somewhere in this big book, Um, you know, you'd be able to say Luke 12 verse 49, you know And so why that's important this morning is because we have to remember that we're we've been in Luke for about four weeks now three weeks I think three weeks And so this is one big teaching that Jesus has given us. It's not just a standalone. And then next week, when we come back, we'll be in chapter 13. And and the reason why they divided 12 from 13 is because it goes into a whole different set of topics. The topics we've been dealing with for three weeks now have been hard topics. They're end-time topics. Those are hard, divisive, potentially divisive topics to talk about um but when luke picks up where we call chapter 13 it's just a whole new setting a whole new speech a whole new uh location a whole new teaching it's a call to repentance followed by healing on the sabbath i can't wait to preach that one <laughs> but right now we're dealing with a harder passage where jesus is clearly very frustrated and as 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 jesus can, continues talking remember last week we talked about him saying you guys need to have a sense of urgency about this and here's what it'll look like when the ends are approaching and we went through the points that i kind of demonstrated but i just was reading it out of the scripture there and how that there's modern equivalents for those points in ways that have never existed before um, but we see that this is a tough message That he really he was being very tough on people and it's interesting too because you see this turn when you when we first read started chapter 12 you know he's just teaching about things like um, you know how valuable we are to God and to not be afraid of things Um, and then this guy stands up in the crowd and just interrupts him while he's saying this stuff and he says hey tell my brother to give me my inheritance So weird, right? Just this rude interruption. And you can see Jesus just get super frustrated. You think Jesus didn't get frustrated? You're wrong. He did. Because then the tone of the rest of chapter 12 turns on a dime and it's harsh and it's hard. And so you you can see that as you're kind of reading through 12. And I'm going to go through the culmination of that chapter this morning in a, in a section subtitled, Jesus Divides People. So I'm going, to, I'm going to strive very hard not to do that, but I just want to give you some context into what we're doing this morning. So here we go. Luke chapter 12, I'm going to read it, verses 49 through the end of the chapter for you here. <clears throat> Jesus says, I have come to cast fire upon the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. And in Jewish thinking, fire is a symbol of judgment, a a symbol of purity. But I have a baptism to undergo, Jesus said, his crucifixion, and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to grant peace on earth? I tell you no, but rather division. For from now on, five members in one household will be divided, three against two, two against three. Are you seeing this in the modern times where we have opinions that are dividing even our families? They will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother. It's a pretty specific list here. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And Jesus was also saying to the crowds, the crowds, not just one person, this thousands of people, it says earlier in chapter 12, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say a shower's coming, and so it turns out. And when you see a south wind blowing, you say, it'll be a hot day. And it turns out that way. Yeah, I looked away, and okay, here we are. You hypocrites, you know how to analyze the appearance of the earth and the sky, But why don't you analyze this present time? And why do you not even on your own initiative, on your own initiative, judge what is right? For while you're going with your opponent to appear before the magistrate, the judge, on your way there, make an effort to settle with him so that he won't drag you before the judge and judge the judge to turn you over to the officer and the officer to throw you into prison. It's better to connect with people and have dialogue and, and reach an agreement than it is to be thrown in prison because you've become so divisive. I say to you, you'll not get out of here. Oh, I'm sorry. You will not get out of there until you have paid the very last cent. There will be a price to be paid for being a follower of Christ, especially at the end times. When he says back in verse 56, I want to bring you back to verses 56 and 53, or 57, you hypocrites, you know how to analyze the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why don't you analyze this present time? And why do you not even on your own initiative judge what is right? You know, as as I show, I've shown last week, um, it's potential, I don't think it necessarily is, but it's potential that the stage has been set worldwide for the end times. It's potential. I also actually think it's been potentially set many times throughout history, that it's almost like a cyclical thing that happens. Remember remember um, the Romans. Just remember the Romans and the Jews, right? Remember the Crusades and the Moors, that Um, where the Catholic Church uh, through the Crusades literally there's historic accounts that say Jerusalem which sits up on a hill saw the streets running with blood like waterfalls they killed so many people remember Hitler there's a lot of things here to remember there's a lot of signs that have happened there's a lot of signs that are happening and I'm sure there may be a lot more signs, maybe even hundreds or thousands of years or maybe tomorrow down the road, right? That this could be the end of time or that it's fulfilling it. The biggest signs that we're gonna, we're gonna look at this morning is a, is a worldwide government, a single strong leader that most people have given authority to, a false religion and a global economic system. So basically here, Jesus is saying in these two verses, you know, you get up in the morning, you look out the window, and for us, we're usually going, oh, another boiling hot day. (laughs) There was, remember the day a couple of days ago where it actually sprinkled for a few minutes? It was glorious. Um, And so, you know, we know how to judge these things. I can get up in the morning and kind of know how to dress for the day, right? In California, as the seasons change, it's a little wonky because it can be freezing cold and breezy in the morning and then get roasting hot in the afternoon. You got to be prepared. But we prepare. I mean, it's a second nature. It's even dumb for me to be saying this stuff. But that's what he's saying. You know, you can judge the sky and know, know what's coming on, but you, you don't want to look at deeper uh, things that take more discernment and thinking from God's perspective. And he goes on in verse 57, and I think this is incredibly important for our times. Why do you not even, on your own initiative, judge what is right? All this bickering and fighting everywhere in the United States to the point where I don't even have to bring up examples, right? Why are we doing this? Why are we jumping on the bandwagon with any side of any issue, rather than trying to have a dialogue that keeps us united. These are the United States of America. When we became disunified, when some of the states decided to succeed, to, re- re, um, to retract their membership with the United States, it created a civil war. So why do you think this stuff is going on in these high tensions right now? Because it's happening again over different issues. But we, the call here is not to listen to Scott and do what he says. It's not to listen to your favorite speaker on the internet and do what he says. It's none of this stuff. It's to think on your own initiative, I would add, with the word of God, and judge what is actually right. You know, I I thought it was ironic this morning. I'm reading through this book I thought would be applicable. It's called Christians in the Age of Outrage. And it's got a sheep here. But it's got a a wolf's mouth sticking out. And so it's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. You've heard that saying, right? And as I was preparing for this message, just this morning I read this, this quote. Tell me if you resonate with this. And it's speaking to people. It's speaking to the justice and goodness of the Me Too movement. It's speaking against the division of conspiracy theorists that are in his words, you know, uh, gathering their data, sweeping it up out of the corners of the internet. You know, I thought that was kind of fun. But there's a lot of things that are dubbed conspiracy that actually are just deep thinking that's, a, that's counterintuitive and countercultural too. So you got it's hard to judge that. But he says here, one distinctive of today's outrage is how we often value confidence and aggression more than truth in our public interactions during a time of 24 7 cable news and social media it's the controversial but confident shouting personalities who garner followers even if what they say is demonstrably false we live in a time when one can often be wrong but seldom if ever can be in doubt over time this attitude devalues truth erects barriers to substantive engagement with others and ratchets up the volume of disagreement does that sound familiar anybody this predictably produces conflict and outrage in a world in which self-reflection is a sign of weakness and confidence is truth-making there's little incentive for patient and nuanced discussion can i get an amen there For that reason, I think we need to discipline, yes, to disciple our minds and the minds of our friends to think more critically. I love that he says these kinds of things. This is a great book. I've only read that far in it so far, so uh, maybe I'll hate it by the end, but you can ask me in a a week or two when I finished it, and, and I'll let you know. But I have seen some troubling signs over the last couple of months, particularly since COVID hit and um and by troubling signs i mean signs that have the potential hear me now the potential to line up with some exact scripture references about the end times and it troubles me and as i bring them up i get knocked down when i bring them up i get accused of being divisive or a crazy or a conspirist. I've had, peop- I've had my uh, person yell at me for this. Um, and when all I'm trying to do, and I hope you know my character enough to know this, all I'm trying to do is have dialogue, even when we severely disagree in our opinions. That's what makes America great. But somehow that has turned from greatness to divisiveness. And let me take you over now, as if I hadn't wound you up enough, to Revelation 13, where we're going to spend the rest of this morning. The beast. Should have marked it, but I kind of like flipping through my Bible, too. All right. Revelation 13, let me read to you the first 10 verses. Now, remember, you're jumping in, in the middle of a really metaphorical conversation here, right? <laughs> so it's going to be like, what? At first, all right. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. And then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads. And on his horn were ten diadems, and on his head were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne in great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain. And his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. They worshiped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, Who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? There was given to him a mouth the beast speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme and his name and his tabernacle. That is those who dwell in heaven. And he's talking his name and his tabernacle is God's name and God's tabernacle. That is those who dwell in heaven. It was also given to him to make war with the saints. That's us. And to overcome them. And authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name was not, has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of the life of the Lamb who has been slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. We've heard this before, right? If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. And if anyone kills with the sword, with the sword, he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. Doesn't that sound awesome? Like just really touchy-feely, you know, <laughs> it's terrifying. What I see in there, if you haven't read this passage before, is sweet. There's going to be all these really cool, crazy creatures coming out. I'm a monster movie fan, not gore, but like Godzilla monster movie. It's, it's kind of cool to me, although what happens isn't. And there's reasons for the horns, the crowns, all this stuff. There's been a ton of commentary throughout the ages about that. I'm not going to go into that. Um, You can, but be careful. In verse 4, you see that people will be deceived to worship this beast and be surprised when others aren't willing to do so and to go to war with the beast against the people that aren't willing to worship him. For a a period of time, it shows in verse 5, this beast will be arrogant and blasphemous, and people will accept that, remember, from verse 4. Verses 6 through 7, this beast will eventually make open war against God, God's church, and God's people. And in verse 8, again, lots of people, maybe the majority of people, will worship the beast, and they'll follow along. That doesn't surprise God. He's already written it down. <laughs> they were never his, you know. This, they were never written in the book of life through the salvation of the Lord of Jesus Christ. And it's interesting that he'll have heads like lambs, right? What does it say? Uh, having ten horns and seven heads and, horns and, da, 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 and the beast. Uh, oh, it doesn't say in this spot here. It must come later. That's why I don't have it in my notes here. Before we go to this next slide that i want to show you a sign of what's going on that's related to the one world authority potential okay that's what the slide is i want to ask you a rhetorical question i don't want an answer for except inside of yourselves and that question is is it possible that situations like this have arisen in the past and i've already told you they have antiochus epiphany antiochus the fourth epiphany rose up right before the time that Jesus was born. He sacked the temple in Jerusalem. He sacrificed a pig on the altar, and he set up a statue of Zeus, the abomination of desolation that many people think is, is going to happen could be said to have already happened. I actually believe that myself. Then you have the sacking of jerusalem itself in the temple after jesus was crucified in about 70 a.d where they destroyed the entire temple and um, they disperse the jews disperse because otherwise they're slaughtered eventually you have caesars that are crucifying them pouring them in oil and doing enough of it inside of the city of rome that they can light them up at night and use them as night lights i'm not kidding then you have, like I've said, the Crusades. You've had other things come up, and I think it really I think Hitler in many ways, very clearly um, fulfilled potential to be the beast. As he rose up and people started going, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." And all of a sudden, even when millions of people are being destroyed, people are all of a sudden on board with it. And it's because they got swept up. In something that started off really small they got swept up and Hitler used the church the Catholic Church to begin with no no uh, I'm not bagging on the Catholic Church but he he knew that he had to get the churches on board too and so he used the Catholic Church like this is a holy thing these Jews are Christ killers you know they, they keep taking all your money because you know Jews are all about money I mean he played all of these cards until a man named Bonhoeffer, which I studied in my master's program, came along and and he was a priest and he said, this isn't right, something's wrong here. But it was too late. Bonhoeffer ends up getting hung by the Nazis um, for pointing out the wrongness that they were doing. And then they go on to form concentration camps and slaughtering of people. So let me show you this next slide. As we think about concentration camps. This is on the Army National Guard career website. On August 17th, 2021, so uh, almost exactly a month ago, they put out 13 job recs for job 31E, which is internment resettlement specialists. It takes highly organized individuals to ensure day-to-day operations run smoothly in any environment. As an internment resettlement specialist for the Army National Guard, you will utilize your organizational skills to make this happen in military confinement, correctional detention, or internment facilities. These 13 job wrecks were put out across the United States strategically. Where does the National Guard operate? Only inside the borders of our nation. Why in the world would the United States repeat one of its most shameful moments of all time? When the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, there was a movement in California primarily on the west coast, because it was closest to Japan, closest to Pearl Harbor, to build internment camps and put Japanese people in them. And it was horrible. It was a moment in our American history that we're all still pretty ashamed of, especially if you've studied anybody that's studied it and knew this before. Now we know this is a shameful moment in our country. Why are we preparing to do it again? I don't know, but I'm concerned. If you're not going to agree with the army national guard or their commanders over something, I don't know what then maybe you're going to be put in these internment camps. I don't know. What I do know is that my, this has the potential to force people to come under heel for any opinions that don't line up with authority. And that is a sign of the beast, of the end times. I don't know who the beast is. I don't even know that the beast has come yet, just for some of you that really want to jump to that. Um, But this starts down that road. As a man of Jewish heritage whose uh, family two generations ago fled Russia in the face of Hitler, I am really concerned about this job wreck. My protective concerns over government COVID related mandates over the past year and a half. This makes me uncomfortable. My freedom concerns over a society that no longer tolerates differing opinions. This makes me uncomfortable. My fully vaccinated concerns over the dehumanizing coercion and segregation of the unvaccinated. This makes me concerned. It is what they're doing in Australia already. A nonpartisan voter, that's who I'm registered as, whose president, yes, I'm claiming him as my president because he is our president, sorry for some of you for saying that, but that's the way it is, has declared war on the unvaccinated, according to AP News. Now, I wrote that, that, those notes of, uh, earlier this week, on friday or saturday when i was fine-tuning this and i had posted that ap article on my facebook last night it was taken down i was not notified by facebook all the comments are locked i googled biden declares war on the unvaccinated because it's a it was an ap news article google can't find the phrase it's been scrubbed and it happened last night That concerns me. A lover of the freedom and ideas of the United States, a patriot, can I still say that, who sees my country putting out 13 job requisitions for internment specialists strategically spread out across the country, that concerns me. It should concern you for whatever reason it's being done. I still disagree that any player here is Potentially the beast. I want to make that really clear because I know this has a potential to have people from both sides jump in on here I Continue to gently push back to people on both sides of these of these and other issues that we need to operate from data Job wrecks and not our emotions After all if this was a beast here's here's a a saying for some of you uh, pre-trib rapture people right uh, I'm not one of them, but that's okay. Uh, if, this, if this was the beast and he was creating a one-world um, system and religion right now, doesn't that mean you were left behind? <laughs> yeah, okay, sorry. I've gotten too serious, so people don't want to laugh here. And that's okay. That's okay. But again, as a man of Jewish heritage um, that saw concentration camps um, that are now being called internment or resettlement specialists uh, I'm concerned let's read the rest of Revelation uh, 13 and we can advance to that slide so we have the one world authority and now we're going to move to the mark of the beast you know just to keep it tense when I then I saw another beast coming out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb looks like Jesus like a lamb and he spoke as a dragon And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. And he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given to him to perform in the presence of the beast telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship even the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides, this is important, he provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. This is Jesus saying this. Here's some wisdom for you guys. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666 this is the antichrist this is the one who will come claiming to be here in jesus's name he'll seem like he is jesus that's the lamb heads right and he'll seem to come back from the dead he'll receive a wound and be resurrected much like jesus was here's the mark of the beast that most everyone christian or not has heard right we've all heard 666 you know the movies love to use it books love to use it the news love doesn't so much but would you know that kind of thing Let's see if there's a mark of the beast in common um, culture. Can you give me the next slide? This is a patent application from the uh, the World Intellectual Property Organization filed on the 26th of March 2020 by Microsoft. This patent basically is the idea of these chips we're hearing about but it was actually for um, cryptocurrency. So basically, it'd act as another Apple wallet, you know, if you know that, or another digital wallet, you know. Now, I just had a grocery store clerk go, uh, sir, translated old man, you know you can just tap your credit card and it'll do it for you. I'm like, really? <laughs> Sweet. Um, but that's this kind of idea that you could put a chip under your skin and um, it would you you wouldn't have to have any touching anymore. No, you know, especially in COVID, this is important, right? That you could just scan your hand over that scanner, and it would you know access your bank account and pull out the funds needed. That sounds cool. I mean, I love technology. I know not everybody's that comfortable with it. I love technology. I grew up in the '80s when technology was hitting. I love it. But now they're talking about using this chip to be able to uh bio uh uh, i forget the term darn it but to monitor your biology now wouldn't i love that i would i'm a obese old man who's under a lot of leadership pressure that could lead to a heart attack who's worried about alzheimer's i would love a little chip that said yo 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 you're stressing out knock it off i would love that but the patent number W.O. for the World Organization, 2020, the year it was filed, 06, 06, 06. I'm concerned about that. I'm not saying this is the mark of the beast. When I see articles that say, you know, a lot of our blood, some, some blood collection spots on the body, some of the, two of the best ones are on the wrist and in the forehead. So that's maybe where we should put these chips. If you you look up these chips on the internet by proponents of it, you'll see that it often is in the web of a hand, and it's always a right hand. I'm concerned about this. I want the protection of of a biochip. I trust technology. I don't trust the people that are doing it. Jesus says in today's scripture in verse 57, why do you not even on your own initiative judge what is right? You have to decide what this means. I am telling you from the podium, I don't necessarily believe this is the mark of the beast. But what I am telling you is I will not take that chip because I won't even let my own health get in the way of my salvation or the potential for my salvation. This chip may not have anything to do with your salvation. I really want to be clear about that, but we have to be looking out for this stuff. And I will absolutely refuse to safeguard even my own personal health through something that could potentially separate me from God eternally. Because it goes on to say those who take this mark will not see salvation. You know, a really good friend of mine recently said, you know, with deep knowledge can come deep sorrow. And that resonated with me a lot. I've been pretty sad lately Um, over the state of our world, over the divisiveness, not necessarily actually over this, just over where our society is. I'm trying now to talk myself into the fact that, hey, this is the same thing our parents, you know felt as they got older or you know we have those cranky old guys maybe i'm becoming one of them i don't know i'm trying to talk myself out of that i'm trying to stay balanced but it's really hard and it's really hard when i feel the pressure of a pastor who's responsible for you on some level now i've done my part so now you're actually going to be responsible for it sorry but if I don't bring up these things that are somewhat clear—that if nothing else, they're a potential danger to society, internment camps, the most shameful thing we ever did—is in America, in America—then I'm not doing my job i could just preach about the beauty i could have preached out of this passage and talked to you about the beauty of yeah it's good that you're in church today because now you're going to hear a message about jesus that loves you remember he said you're worth more than the sparrows you're discerning this is great but that's not true it'd be easier for me but it'd make me more responsible for you i want to close just by saying And reminding everybody that this message is not meant to further inflame or divide people. That would be another form of tyranny, right? These things are troubling, to say the least, though. This passage is subtitled, remember, Jesus Divides Men. I would actually rewrite that in its context to Jesus Divides People. What this message is, what what I've felt responsible to do is this message is meant to shake you up a little bit, to awaken the sleeper, to use a biblical term, to take things a little more seriously. Not all of this stuff is conspiracy stuff, contrary to the media. Not everything that we're doing as a people is right. There was a time when I was younger where we were like, oh, don't let the government get involved. You know, they'll just mess it up. We didn't say mess. Um, and uh, watch out for big brother. You guys, who in here remembers the term big brother, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now we've gone to a place where only rely on the government for your information. Everybody else is false. And it's probably the truth is somewhere probably in the middle, Right? but it's disturbing where we've gone whenever we find ourselves we have to live there righteously after all as followers of Jesus it's not by our powers right it's not by Scott's discernment that makes this great it's by the it's by Christ living within me the hope of glory we hope for glory but we still got to work it out that's why we're disciples discipline before you overreact to this message and put me on blast um, and frankly i was put on blast a little yesterday online (laughs) just for the title of the message um, i just want you to think about today's message and i want you to see that what i'm talking about is something that should cause you to stop and think and not just to take the party line no matter, and by party, I mean just general, uh, I, nowadays, I would say the social media line. And from whichever side you're on, figure out what ways it is possible for Christian people to come together in unity with the Father in the name of Jesus, not divisiveness. Understand that I'm trying to preach a message that is a message I hope will bring unity, at least cut down some of the bickering between actual Christian people, but more to try and get them to see, okay, maybe there is some cause for something, but I don't really believe it's what you think. That's fine, but let's have some dialogue about it. You know, at the end of the day, Jesus is the source of all information and you have most of that right here. You have the rest of it inside of you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the Holy Spirit reciting in you. Jesus is the one who has the source of all truth that cuts through all the, the stuff swept into the corners of the internet. <laughs> Jesus, uh, we, have to, we have to separate our personal beliefs from actual truth. And that starts, for me, with me. And that's why I agonized over this message all week. Jesus is the source of eternal life. Nothing else is. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, if you're, if you're listening to this message this morning and you haven't known him in that way, maybe you're online and you don't even attend church, whatever it is for everybody, and you haven't thought of Jesus this way, and you're wondering, like, how does Jesus point to the mark of the beast and how does that that scares me when i think about it, you know the patent number or whatever it is that that triggered you today and i apologize for triggering you the point is that this book these words this scripture contain the knowledge that god wants us to have down to the very last days actually beyond to a new heaven and a new earth that's described and it ends with the words, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. And so if you don't know Jesus in that way, if you, don't, if you do know Jesus that way and you don't know scripture that way, either of those things, I want to encourage you to just dive in hard on these things because you're going to need to know if this was the final cycle of, of the end times, and I'm not saying it is, I find it hard to believe that it is, to be honest, but I see the signs. The only thing that's going to get us through is truth and love, and we need to know the way to truth and love, and that will lead us to eternal life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, to talk to somebody who does and figure that out. Be critical with them. It might be fun. You'll make them really uncomfortable. They'll have to explain their beliefs. <laughs> Come talk to me. I love those conversations. Um, if you're a person who really hasn't studied Scripture, you, these times demand that you know your Bible better than maybe any generation. That's why God had it recorded now, so you could have it. You need to know your Scriptures. You need to be in the Word. And then together let us seek for unity and peace and love and support from the bottom to the top from the bottom to the top because that's what jesus is all about let me pray for us father god i i thank you for this day um to be truthful i thank you that this message is over Uh, it's been hard um, we live in a hard time right now, Father, and we're trying to do the best with it. And frankly, most of the time, everyone, including me, is failing pretty miserably at it. We just we just ask you to come inside of us, to live inside of us, to, to power us, to to ignite us through the Holy Spirit in such a way that it pushes out all the things that you would have removed from our lives, all our thoughts, all our feelings, all our emotions, all our beliefs. Get us back to the way to truth and eternal life, because that's what you are. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask Kyle or Gary to come up front now.
1: that's a very, I don't know if hard is the right way, but interesting message uh, to follow up. Thank you, Scott, uh, for that very convicting word. And normally throughout the message, I'm laughing at your jokes, but I found myself not doing that because I was so uh, dived in, dialed in rather, to what you were saying. Um, I think it's interesting well, many of the things Scott talked about today. But more than that, I just want us to to take a moment. And if you're watching our online campus now, um, or even Ron, if you wouldn't mind getting our communion elements ready uh, for our congregation as well, uh, this is the perfect time to do it. You just put me as a background thought in your head. Um, I don't know what was going through the heads of the people that Jesus sat there with, um, well, maybe he wasn't sitting, but was talking to through these uh, difficult messages, um, difficult to receive, um, I'm sure, except for the fact that, you know, he was Jesus and God, and like, that maybe makes things easier, I'm not sure, because I'm not that, um, I'm not sure exactly what was going through his head, though I, I know whatever. It mustn't have been easy. I know that as I sat here and I uh, get to listen to Scott, and not just here on a Sunday, um, I get to be here throughout the week with Scott. And um, we have what we call staff meeting, um, counseling sessions, sometimes those turn into many discussions revolving around the message that he is um, preparing every time I enter into a conversation with him, uh, I find myself leaving with perhaps not bad questions, but many more questions than I had entered into with. And those are honest questions, and they're honest questions that all of us on some level have. And those are the questions that I truly believe Jesus calls and wants us to be asking him. I'm sure there are questions that the disciples had and the many that are recorded in scripture that they would ask to Jesus. And for walking with him for three years, they still had many more questions. And I think that that just goes to speak towards not just the point in time but the process and the journey that we take with christ every day hopefully every day with that being said i want to give not that you need my permission but i simply want to vocalize the permission that god has given you and all of us it's okay to ask hard questions He's a big boy. He can take it. With that being said, I'd like to reference and and to have us go through communion really fast. And actually, Chris, would you do me a favor? Uh, In just a minute after communion, would you grab that paper that I left under my chair and bring it up to me? Because I totally forgot about it. Um, But... On the night that Jesus, and I'm going to interject a few little things in here um, as well, but on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was sitting there in the upper room for the Last Supper with his disciples, his closest of human compatriots, friends, children. And he took a cup, and he said, I'm sorry, he, he took bread. Wow, he took bread he broke it and he said this is my body which is broken for you to do this in remembrance of me thank you Chris thank you I wonder what the disciples thought then if it was just oh okay or if they had some more questions that perhaps weren't being answered yet. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine as we have juice. He said, this is my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. To paraphrase, for as often as we come together, you to do these things in remembrance of me, of the work I've done, of the person that I've been, of the loving Savior and Lord that I am. To you. I'd like to pray for us, and I have a few announcements, and I'd like to release all of us into this Sunday. But Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the convicting, compelling, An interesting message that Scott had worked to prepare, but that we know you prepared in his heart long before he ever stepped on this stage. Father, we ask that in this moment of remembrance of you, that we don't just let it last for but a moment, but God, that this would be a point in time that kind of resets us and resettles us into who you are, into who we're called to be, and to who we're called to be with, invited to be with. So God, I asked for questions to be stirring in my mind, for questions to be stirring in the minds of all of those, whether it be here in the Pleasant Hill campus or on the online campus. Authentic questions to be had. And God, for those of us that they'll enter into conversation with about these questions. I just ask that you would give us wisdom, discernment, and integrity to answer those as faithfully as possible so that we can always direct and point and lead people to know you deeper and to know your love. In your name we pray. Amen. With that being said, we do have a few announcements today. Uh, for those of you that are online, of course, and I've actually been on there, I'm, it's usually either me or Elder Barry uh, that is uh, acting as First Christian Church Online. So we've been watching you, interacting with you uh, throughout these weeks and months. And so if you guys can drop us a like, a comment, or just give it a share, um, there are a couple things that that does for us. Obviously, it lets us know that you're engaged in watching, um, and that's super important. Um, just so that we know what's hitting, where the state of the congregation at, and of course as elders, uh, for our elder team to know, uh, well, the spiritual state of the congregation. is kind of one of their jobs. for a like, that just shows that you are in community with other people as you're watching it to know that we are in this together. Uh, You can almost consider it kind of like a small group in such a way. It's really easy to to join and be a part of. Uh, And as for the sharing, well, that just gives access to all the friends and family that we have um, for our online presence individually um, to just share the gospel and welcome them into this family as well. We have a lot, a lot of chairs, so we have a lot, a lot of room for more people uh, to join us here. Uh, we also have a huge praise for the last number of weeks. Uh, of course, Scott has been spearheading um, the second trailer project, and uh after three months of trying uh we we have it. uh Scott actually went with uh, Melanie, and yes, that's a huge praise. Um, they drove up to Sacramento on Friday, I believe. Getting the nod from Scott, so I believe that's right. Um, and they spent all day going up there, getting it. Scott used his amazing trailer backing skills and backed in the place. And so that is just a huge praise and a ministry, not just opportunity, but a tool and a resource that we have to, of course, love people, uh, spread the gospel, and bring people to know Him a bit more. Um, some prayer requests for our prayer warriors out there, Robert. I know you're a prayer warrior, uh, so you know I'm going to be looking at you all for this one. Um, be praying for a spirit of empathy and unity, of course, as we we need consistently, and as Scott touched on, hit on today with a sledgehammer to a nail. Um, sit, uh, just against the spirit of divisiveness, anger, and frustration. Uh, really be thinking, what would Jesus do? And lastly, for a sense of urgency of living out our faith collectively, as well as um, your faith, my faith individually, of course. Um, because nobody knows the day or the time. So it could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be a thousand years from now, we don't know. But I wanna live with that fire under my feet. I don't wanna get complacent. Sermon 2.0 with Elder Barry is, of course, on Wednesday nights. Request a Zoom link from Barry or Scott, um, John, and you can go on our website, of course, to check that out. And lastly, and this is I am excited for because I have been in conversation with Scott for the last couple of weeks i believe and of course he's been talking with jamie davis but she is spearheading and leading our uh, birth through pre-k ministry uh, development in the team of that Um, if you are interested at all or want to know any more information about that please 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 um, contact jamie Uh, you can contact robert to get in contact with jamie you can contact scott or myself or barry or any one of the deacons or elders we would love to help you plug in i'm really excited for that ministry to take off Um, as well. With that, thank everybody for being here. Thank you, everybody on Facebook, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, uh, for joining us today. You're blessed, be loved, and be loving, and have a great Sunday afternoon. Thank you.